everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that is always important, but these days feels more important than ever before. We got my good friend and business partner in the Whale Club here, Mr. Paul Sparks, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now, we do this show because a wise man once asked, if you look at your business for the last three years by months and turn all the negative months into zeros, what would happen to your bottom line? And that man is Dan Nicholson. Uh, we are here to achieve financial certainty by rigging the game in your favor. Now, I'm also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on our podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. If you get value today, please share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And on this show, Paul and I, we always like to talk about some really off, um, unusual topics, right? It's going to cause you to create some open loops. Our challenge to you is to not try to close those loops so fast. Try to keep it as open as you can. Don't try to Google it during the show. And we always like to start off with a six-word update. Uh, I felt like I got a stomach punch uh, this week. So my six-word update is when I'm certain, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> that came out of our last conversation with Nick and Dan, Steve. <laughs> yeah, so Paul, uh, uh, Dan Nicholson, Nick Peterson, and myself, we jumped on a call to discuss some concepts or some principles we were working around. And um, yeah, I felt like uh, we were heading the right direction. It turns out we were not quite going the right direction, but they gave us some great clarity. So I, I really appreciate having those guys as business partners in our in our club. Yeah, they're invaluable. You got a six-word update, Paul? So mine from this week is trying to build market-resistant businesses. Um, I think a, a lot of people are looking at right now and saying, looking at the market and saying, how do I adjust my business so that I can fit it to this particular market? And, and although that's not a, a bad question to be asking, I think the better question is, how do we build businesses that will thrive regardless of the market conditions, right? So, you know, really focusing on trying to build market resistant businesses. I don't care what's going on in the real estate market. I don't care what's going on in the blockchain world. I don't care about what's going on with any of those things. I want to own and operate businesses that are reliable regardless of the conditions. So um, that's a tough ta uh, challenge. And um, that's what we're leaning on the certainty operating system for and all these principles, but easier said than done, right? So that's, <laughs> that's my uh, six word update and my goal right now. Uh, all right. And uh, Pete, uh, before we uh, uh, jump into it, do you want to introduce Pete real quick? Yeah. And Pete, I love that hat you got there, man. What a nice looking hat. And you have shaved a little bit since the last time I saw you trim the beard up. Um, you know, I got some sleep since the last time you guys talked to me. So I cleaned, cleaned my act up a little bit, <laughs> pulled my head out of my spreadsheets and said, let's get on a podcast. That's well, right. So Pete has become a close friend of mine. We met through Collective Genius. He's in uh, CG Select with me. He's out of the North Carolina, uh, Charlotte area, but I, a lot of his business is all over the Southeast. One of his funds in particular that we're going to talk about today is in the Augusta, Georgia market. Um, you know, Pete's got a really incredible background. He, he led, um, he was a major uh, in the army and just got out recently and um, someone that I, you know, truly respect for his leadership and the things that he's accomplished in his life. I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, him share what he's doing with the real estate tokenization world. Uh, because Pete was one of the first 10 in the whale club, uh, with you, Steve as well. Um, so he was one of the first guys that sort of got exposed to this whole world of blockchain and real estate coming together. He came in and he learned about you know, the concepts that, that Nick and Dan taught us around solvable problem and business treasury and certainty and all this sort of stuff. And he went out and did something about it. He built something in the real world that's useful. So we're going to have him on today to share that, uh, the, you know, what problem he was solving, how he went about it and what he's doing right now. So, man, Pete, I've just I'm thrilled to have you here. It's great to see you. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah. And before we hey, jump man, into it, was fantastic. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate before we it. jump into it, Pete, uh, not to put you in a spot here. Hopefully you had a chance to come up with a six word update. Do you have one? I do. I do. So mine today is, is actually pretty similar to Paul's. It's uh, driving certainty in uncertain market conditions. You know, I just came back from doing a, a big talk with my team. And this is something that we're talking about as far as how do we put our investors in a spot where they have a sense of certainty as the market around us seems very uncertain. 
And when I say the market, <clears throat> I mean the entire economy right now. Mm -hmm. We just had the half percent interest raise uh, yesterday afternoon, I believe, coming from the Fed. It's affecting everybody in the real estate world. And of course, everything from stocks to crypto is in a really, really strange place right now. Um, so very, very similar to what Paul's kind of six word update was, is we've designed the way that we invest in real estate for over the past four years to prepare for this moment when the yeah. market is, is kind of going crazy so that we could win no matter what and provide some level of certainty to our investors. So it's been a huge topic of conversation in our business in the last week. Cool. And then uh, before we jump into exact problem you were fixing, let's set a little bit of a baseline as to what your business looked like uh, before uh, you connected with uh, with us in the Wheel Club. What did, what did your business, specifically the fund, but generally speaking, what was your business before that? Sure. So I am the CEO of a company called Iron Horse uh, Capital Group. We are a private equity real estate firm. Um, I specialize in single family uh, residential. So my primary market is Columbus, Georgia. It's the uh, second biggest city in Georgia that nobody's ever heard of before, uh, but it is the second biggest in the state. Um, hey, I'm from Georgia. I've heard of Columbus. Good, good, good. <laughs> um, and then we also operate in multiple markets in North Carolina. Um, Fayetteville will be one of them. Uh, more counties, lesser known, but uh if you're in a big golfer, uh, Pinehurst Golf Course, and then they we're starting to touch, um, we butt up to the south side of Raleigh as well. So we are in multiple markets, um, and primarily we pick up distressed single-family homes, and we renovate them. And then from there, we've got multiple ways to exit. I hold several as rentals myself. We will do um, flips off to the MLS, and then we also create what we call a turnkey product, which means we renovate the property completely, place a tenant, and then we will sell that investment off either to individual investors so they get old in their portfolio or more recently over the past two years, we've started putting them into funds that we hold in-house and then we raise investor capital and they get to share in that cash flow with us. So there's a lot of aspects to that model that allows us to be highly flexible no matter what happens uh, in the real estate in the real estate market, which is where my six word update came from today. Gotcha. And then as far as the fun, like... Talk to us a little bit about, I don't know what specifics, metrics you can actually talk about, but tell us a little bit about the fund, uh, your portfolio that you have. Sure. So the idea to start a start a firm that could, that could have in-house funds really developed about three years ago. Um, we were working with some investors that were really happy with the, the performance on the individual turnkey properties, but they didn't really want to actually own the real estate themselves. Um, either they were too busy or they just didn't want to take the time uh, to, to learn it and manage the, the property management companies themselves. Um, so they said, hey, can you start pulling investor money together and you manage it because you know what you're doing? Um, so that started the journey about three years ago and we formed a Reg D 506C. Um, so it's a fund for accredited investors only. Um, but what we could do now is as I'm renovating those properties, once they're complete and have positive cash flow, we slide them over into that fund and then raise capital um, from investors and then move from there. So currently we've done uh, past two quarters distributions have been around a 7% annualized rate. Um, and we're currently using no debt on the fund whatsoever, um, which gives us a lot of flexibility. And I could kind of deep dive that if you want, but it's a little specific. Okay. And what, what problem were you trying to solve specifically when you were when you were investigating tokenizing your 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 fund, so tokenization solves solves really a few problems. Uh, number one is the administrative workload of of running and managing a fund, right? So every single quarter, I have to go out and you know do my calculations and send my distributions out to my investors, and and the way most funds do that is by hand, right? You, you, you look at your profit and loss, you decide what you're pushing out to your investors, and then you got to individually wire out uh, all those distributions. So from an administrative perspective, tokenization kind of really helps streamline that process, right? Because what we're doing is we're taking a smart contract and we're telling that smart contract, these are the details in of our fund in our private placement memorandum. If you get money from us, you need to distribute it accordingly, Right. Um, so now instead of having to wire money to individual investors, I just send it into my smart contract and my smart contract looks across, um, all my investors who hold the tokens and it automatically calculates who needs what, and it's all open. It could all be audited. And then we also run a, um, 
a parallel tracking system as well in case the blockchain fails, which we could get into uh, a little bit later. So that was problem one that it solves. Problem number two is liquidity. So one of the problems with private real estate investments is they're inherently illiquid. You know, if you take an investor in, normally you're holding that investor's funds for five to seven years. That's, that's pretty stereotypical for the market, whether you're doing, you know, multifamily development, self-storage, or single family. Um, if you, as an investor, wanted something more liquid, you'd have to go with a publicly traded option. A REIT is probably the, the most common that, um, you know, a normal investor would understand, right? Because a REIT trades like a stock. At any point in time, you go on the U.S. stock market and trade Blackstone's flagship REIT and either enter or exit a position. And that gives you uh, the liquidity. So on the private real estate side, there wasn't really a good way to do that. Um, but now with tokenization, we have the opportunity to apply blockchain technology and potentially bring liquidity to private real estate investments. So what do I mean by that? I mean, Steve, if you're the initial investor in this and mm -hmm. you have one of my tokens that represents, you know, 1% ownership in the fund and you're completely happy in the first year, you're receiving um, uh, cash flow distributions and, and it's all going swimmingly. But then unfortunately something happens in your life and you need that investment back for, for whatever. In a private fund, it's hard to get that money back. But now with my token, you can go out to uh, a marketplace, either on your own. Uh, there's several firms that offer them. So for example, with us, we're working with a company called um, T-Zero. So they're a company that specializes in creating secondary markets and listing these. So theoretically, you could take my token, you could go in the T-Zero marketplace, and then you could meet Paul. And you don't have to know Paul at all. But Paul could be looking around as an investor and say, hey, I want something that's got some history. He sees that you're putting your token out there. He looks at the performance of the funds, both through um, our documents and then it's all public data inside the blockchain so he could verify the actual distributions. And then Paul can decide to buy that token. And Paul never had to meet you. Paul never had to talk to me. It doesn't matter. That thing now becomes liquid and you can trade out your position and Paul could go ahead and, and buy it. From my perspective as the, the operator running the funds, it makes no difference who holds the token because I'm still just putting my quarterly distribution into the blockchain and the blockchain now recognizes that, hey, that token ID that was owned by Steve Trang is now sitting in Paul Sparks' wallet. So that, that fund needs to go, or that money needs to go over to that fund. That is probably the most disruptive aspect of this technology as applied to, to real estate. Yeah. Um, and for reference, this is not only small operations doing this. I know KKR, which is one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest commercial firms out there has already launched a, uh, a token of their own. Um, so I know they're working on it. And then one of the large banks, I forget which one, but this has gotten very, very large, um, attention across the industry for that particular reason. Yeah. Well, I know JP Morgan Chase has put a lot of money into it and T0, I believe was founded by the same guys that found that, uh, own the New York stock exchange. So like, very serious thing. This is not like, hey, they might know what they're doing. Yeah, it's not some kid out of our basement is like, hey, I'm gonna start T zero. Like this is, this is big, major Wall Street money here. So Paul, um, what, uh, what framing questions did we have? Well, I wanna I wanna address the fact that we're let's make sure we understand clearly when, what we mean when we say tokenization, because that can oftentimes be confusing to someone who's never actually heard that phrase. So in the same way that you could buy stocks in a company, let's say, you can buy into a fund that Pete operates, right? He's got a single family rental fund. If you're an accredited investor, you can give Pete money. And ideally, because Pete's a great operator, he's gonna get you seven to 8% cash flow in return off of that. You're gonna get some tax benefits and just different things. Right. And, and there's a lot of different funds out there. So as an accredited investor, I could put one hundred thousand dollars, you know, one hundred thousand dollars here. I could put, a, you know, five hundred thousand here and and put my money in these different funds. And what Pete's essentially saying is you're getting an allocation for that fund. Right. And right now, all that's just managed by hand. What tokenization does is it takes that allocation and represents it as a coin, as a token. And. I, I want to also clarify one more thing. There's a big difference between NFTs and security tokens. We're talking about tokens right here. So when we refer to an NFT, 
we're referring to something entirely unique. So say that we wanted to trade a house, right? I wanted to sell Pete one of the houses that I have. Because that house is entirely unique, it would be traded through it could be traded through an NFT. But if I wanted to take that house and chop it into a bunch of small pieces and sell pieces of that house, all those pieces are identical. Right? And I think of it like, do I really care which $20 bill I have? I really don't. Like they're all the same. And that's what a security token is. It's like that $20 bill. So it's just significantly easier to represent that digitally. And that's what Pete's referring to when he says this technology is so disruptive. It's we're able to take the same asset that he's already got, the fund in this case, and instead of doing it all by hand on a piece of paper or like in a spreadsheet, you can you can do use a smart contract, right, to automate all this. And it's just press a button and it goes out. Right, Pete, did I get that right? Hey, you absolutely nailed it, man. And and what I'd like to point out with that as well is in, in the blockchain world in general, it so far, uh, the SEC has been had a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of negative comments about the industry. Um, of course, with a FT, FTX collapse recently. Um, when it comes to tokenization specifically, though, the SEC's perspective is actually the other way around. They are really positive about this application of the blockchain technology. And here's why. Because the SEC's mandate is to protect investors, right? It, they are very small comparative to the population of the United States and the amount of investments out there. So it is very difficult for them to audit all these um, private funds that are out there, right? It'd be very, very hard for them to comb through and, and find issues with everyone. Now, if these funds and the movement of money starts getting tracked in the blockchain, it makes the SEC's job of auditing extremely, extremely easy because now they can do it um, with codes or algorithms or bots or manually if they want to. Um, but because of that, they are very, very friendly towards this particular application of blockchain technology. Because it's really just about data in this case. We're, we're just automating the administrative side and we're providing a significant easier path to liquidity. Right. Of course, there's still some challenges with the secondary markets and all this stuff. But what I love about this is we can draw on one of our tools in the certainty operating system that essentially says we only want to innovate where we differentiate. And what that means to me is the fund already exists. You know, we, we've, we frequently, Steve and I have used the Microsoft Excel Google Sheets example. And what we mean by that is, well, Microsoft Excel dominated for decades that were the powerhouse in that industry. And then Google came along and they said, you know what? You guys have a fantastic product. We're going to keep the logo almost identical. The format and the user interface is almost going to be the exact same. We're going to make one change, though. We're just going to put it on the Internet. That way you don't have to download the file and I'll rename it Rev2 and send it back to you. Like we can all make changes in one document. That is the same thing we're doing here. Pete has taken something that's been you know, running for decades, right? Funds, pr private funds or syndications and taken the exact same product and made one small change to it. We're just going to put it on the blockchain because it makes it significantly easier to manage those transactions and to provide liquidity. Yeah, old man stuff as as our as our mentor Nick calls it. Yep, exactly. Old man stuff is the best way to say it. And and Paul's right. This is only a 1% change to an existing business model. A very very small tweak to make it run a little bit smoother. Like I would compare it to kind of the advent of PayPal in the early 2000s, right? If you were a business owner at that time, Having PayPal around didn't, didn't make your business plan, right? You still have an existing business that needs to create revenue. But by adding PayPal, now you could just give consumers an easier way to pay for your products. Now, instead of being confined to California, you could have consumers from across the country. It's just a little small tweak that makes your business run a little bit better because you're now adopting new technology. When I like what, you know, because you uh, are, have been spearheading this effort uh, on, on putting your fund on the blockchain. And, you know, we've had conversations about, you know, your efforts. And I, what I liked was that you were particularly well-received 
when you were doing this because they're like, hey, uh, we've been trying to do this for a long time, but everyone that comes to us doesn't even have a fund yet. Like they have an idea like, hey, I want to take a bunch of money from the blockchain and take it to buy a bunch of real estate. But you came in and like, I've already done this. This already exists. I just want to make one tweak. And my, from my understanding, they love you for this. You, can you speak on that? Absolutely. Yep. So uh, with the issuers, you know, th this is something that could be done for businesses beyond just real estate, right? So um, what you're referencing right now is they're working with like a lot of Web3 companies that were startups, um, uh, really just a lot of different startup companies that I I'm sure they had great business ideas and stuff like that. But at the phase they're trying to tokenize it, they were still just an idea, right? The business model itself was was not proven. Um, and that with all the partners we're working with right now to make this effort come together, that is where we really stood out is number one, we've been operating real estate for a decade. So they, they knew we could do it. Um, they were absolutely blown away that the, the fund itself was already structured, number one. And number two, that our third quarter distributions is actually uh, in two weeks here. So I need to do some work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were just very, very surprised to get a fully matured you know, business model plus past uh, history of positive returns that was getting moved on onto the blockchain. Um, and, and with that, we actually have kind of, kind of a big announcement that I, I meant to push you guys before this, but <laughs> was, was unable to get to. Um, so because of all these reasons that Steve is talking about, um, we were able to build a partnership with um, the owners of Phantom. So Phantom is a, a level one blockchain. Awesome. Um, we are actually going to be the first uh, token to launch on the Phantom platform, uh, That's which is amazing. incredibly, incredibly amazing. Yeah, and they are beyond excited for this exact reason, right? The entire blockchain world is is going a little bit crazy right now. From uh, obviously the <laughs> the collapse of FTX is is all over the place. Um, yeah. So, a lot of these firms right now are looking for a way to show utility of the blockchain, and that it, it, there are secure applications of it, right? Um, it's, it's not just these, uh, these, I don't want to say the word, but these, these, uh, fake coins sometimes that are, they're being hustled in meme around. coins. That's what, that's what Paul calls them. Meme coins. There we go. That's the, that's the PG rated word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, I got the R rated version that I say off camera, but yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, so when I sat with the, with the team from Phantom Foundation, they were like, this is an incredibly amazing story, not just for how you're using it, but for Phantom as well to, to bring this to the world and say, listen, like Steve said, this is old man investing. Investing in cash flowing real estate has been around for thousands of years. <laughs> thousands of years. It's proven. It's already operating. Let's bring something that's really certain comparative to cryptocurrency. <laughs> and, and let's bring it to the market and showcase the stability of uh, Phantom as a blockchain. So incredibly, incredibly excited about that. Um, and we're talking to them right now about also being involved as uh, limited partners in the fund itself. Um, which, which is incredible that they're putting their money where their mouth is. Um, and then with that, we are working with DigiShares to actually do the tokenization itself. Um, and this is the first fund that they will do on the Phantom blockchain as well. So we were able to make that connection. Their coders have gone into their system and made it, uh, made it compatible uh, with Phantom so that if anyone coming in behind us wants to use Phantom to launch, uh, you could now do it through DigiShares as well. Um, so that is why my beard is long and I look tired because I've been working nonstop to make, to make all that stuff come together. Gotcha. And Phantom is an incredible, is an incredible layer one. Um, as you know, uh, uh, dark Knight launched on Phantom, yep. right? So we're all, most of us are familiar with Phantom. That's, that's incredible. Um, let's, so let, let me pull this apart for a second. Cause let's define the problem. This is this is super cool technology, but let's describe why it's useful. So to, to real estate investors that are already operating a fund, let's say, first of all, this solves an admin problem. Like it's it's like the paradigm in my mind of going from, you know, show your work to like, you know, in school, it's like teachers are like, show your work. Make sure you show all your, your math problem. It's, it's why would I do that? I have a calculator. I don't need that. I got the answer right here. That's essentially the transition we're talking about going from doing it by hand to using a calculator. 
That's what we're talking about. So first of all, we're you know uh, using smart contracts to automate the admin side. We're providing liquidity. Um, but what problems are we solving for the the blockchain, the crypto people? Because we haven't touched on that. Yeah, but I think overall for the for the crypto community, it's about getting access to um, private real estate investments, right? And I, I think that's the the mantra and drive behind decentralized finance overall, right? Is is how do we give people access to different financial products that are normally, you know, blocked? Whether it's blocked by um, just access based on their um, socioeconomic status, or they simply just don't have the network to run across people like me, you, and Steve. Who are you know highly skilled in you know real estate investing and can create those type of investments. Um, so I think it's all about breaking those barriers down and giving people in the crypto world access to this, right? And I know the three of us are involved in you know different NFT projects, different uh, cryptocurrency projects. Um, you know, just for clarity, I spend about about eighty percent of my time in real estate and twenty percent of my time in various aspects of the blockchain world and investing in different projects. And it's it's high risk. We know that. It is a very high risk area. You can make a lot of money. You can lose a lot of money. So I think by bringing something stable to the blockchain world, to the crypto investor community, we allow them to build their barbell, as uh, as Dan would say, right? And when I talk to a lot of crypto investors, they're doing great things. They're making great money, but it is highly, highly volatile. Mm -hmm. So I see their portfolio is really, really weighted on the high risk side, and that bottom could fall out immediately. What I want to do for that community is say, hey, that's fantastic. You're making all this money. What are you doing right now to lock in your gains? What are you doing right now to offset the tax, um, the tax hit that you're going to take um, from making all that money? Because um, the U.S. government is going to come for it. So don't, don't try to avoid it. <laughs> it's a bad way to do business. So what I'm trying to do is build the other side of the barbell for them. And we know it works because wealthy people have been doing this in real estate for a really, really long time. But once again, I'm just adding that 1% change to that old man investing so that somebody from the crypto industry can understand it and easily invest in it. Mm -hmm. That's what's been great about the partnership um, with DigiShares in particular, because we're setting up the token to be able to onboard either fiat or different cryptocurrencies, right? So if Steve, for some reason, is real close-minded and is not a crypto investor, but wants to send me some, some US dollars... The, the platform does not look like a crypto project at all. It looks exactly the same as my, uh, my prior existing um, investor platform that I use. So Steve, if he hates the crypto world, would have no idea that he's investing into something that exists in the blockchain because he would just wire ACH in US dollars and then we'd record his investment and then give him back US dollars in return. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul, we all know that you are a crypto wizard and you have all your money in the crypto world and it's kind of painful for you because you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to send my crypto to a centralized exchange right now because they're all collapsing like and run the risk of, uh, of losing my stuff just to get into fiat. So you have the option to send us, um, to send us crypto. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now on all the ones that we have available to offer, but it's mostly stable coins. Um, so you could send in that stable coin to the DigiShare platform to invest in uh, the asset with me. And then they, on the backside, um, move it over to fiat and stuff so that I could actually apply it in, in the real world. Because unfortunately, the real estate industry still works on U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I love that. Uh, that's a good, that's a, go ahead, Steve. Sorry. But I love that you're talking about the barbell, right? Because like for us, we've got the reliability side of real estate. And, you know, we uh, you know, are involved just one degree or another on the other side of the barbell, which is the... Uh, upside, right? Limit, lowering the downside, increasing the upside. On the blockchain world, they've got all the volatility, but nowhere to stabilize it. And so for everyone that's on the blockchain side, they get to stabilize and lock in their, their winnings on the, on the stable side of the barbell, which is your fund. Well, and right now, let's talk about what options do they have? I mean, we were all at the uh, at the Whale Club event in September, and we all got to meet the, the 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 crypto cowboys that we so lovingly refer to. These are guys on massive gains. Um, at the time, at least, they were sitting on massive gains. Right? I don't know what their portfolios look like now, I, but I hope, so. I hope they still are. Yeah, me too. But 
their problem is that they don't have a downshift. They understand the concept of the barbell, but they don't know real estate investors. They don't want to own toilet. You know, they don't want to deal with tenants and toilets and foundations and, you know, contractors and all that sort of stuff. They just want to like press buttons and that's it basically. So what we realized was, Hey guys, all you got to do is just sell some of your crypto, move it back through MetaMask, move it into Binance, send it to your bank account and then wire it to my bank account. And then we'll put it in the fund and then that'll spit off cash flow, And then we'll go all the way back around. Cause that's what the process was like for them. And they were all just, no, I think I'm just going to stay in crypto. So it's, it's truly what we're solving for them is helping the new money downshift into old man assets and start locking in your financial certainty. There is nothing more. I think we would all agree. There is nothing more reliable and stable in our turn. Obviously, we're a little biased, but like then real estate. There's a reason why we all went, went into real estate investing. Yep. So it's just that in my mind is the biggest problem we're solving. It's helping the trillion dollars in that market have something to downshift into besides large caps like Bitcoin and ETH or just converting it to cash because they're absolutely not going to do that. There was um, another one. We were talking about uh, the professional skeptic. Yeah. And, and so, Pete, there's a couple of things that I like about what you did. Because all a lot of almost all of the things that you do in terms of decentralization and optionality and talking about barbells, I mean, you naturally implement a lot of these, uh, you know, things in the certainty operating system. But let's pull one of them apart. One of the things that we talk about is the professional skeptic frame. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are th who are listening to us right now, and they might understand. Yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying. But you're still saying crypto, and it's like nails on a chalkboard. Because right now, the sentiment is just absolutely terrible. You know, what we've, what we've said on, on previous calls is like, you know, the FTX situation, I don't care. It's not a really a blockchain problem. It's a human problem. It's a fraud People problem. People lie, cheat, and chill, right? If you're, if you're stealing, and you're lying, and you're cheating, I don't really care what industry you're in. It's going to catch up to you eventually. But like, let's let's put on our professional skeptic hat for a second and say, what could go wrong with this? What are the problems with this? You know, why is this different than buying some random meme coin? Right. What's what do you see as the is the as the problems that could arise with something like this? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Paul, you know me, man, I, I am naturally a professional skeptic. That yeah. is just how I approach, uh, approach the world. Um, you mentioned earlier, I had just really fun professional career before this. And my whole job there was to, to wade into uncertainty and, and figure it out and come out alive. That's all I did for 12 years. <laughs> so that is how I approach every situation, whether it's investing in real estate, investing in uh, the crypto world, or when I'm building funds to manage people's money. So when this idea of tokenization first got introduced to me, I had probably one major question that everybody on this call has right now is, what is the reliability of blockchain? It is a new technology. What happens if it collapses? What happens if there's some type of catastrophic failure of phantom? What happens if you know the coins get hacked and, and are spread to the winds? What are the risks that my investors will have to deal with if they're dealing with blockchain? And I even got a backup from there. I, I think we have to be careful with our language sometimes too. Um, cryptocurrency is just an application of blockchain technology. They are two very, very separate things. And I think sometimes people use the word crypto as a catch-all to mean a lot of things that it, does, that it doesn't actually mean, right? Mm -hmm. So it'd be like saying, uh, oh, I'm scared of real estate investing. But it's like, okay, well, there's single family, there's commercial, there's multifamily, there's storage. Like, <laughs> which one are you talking about? That is not like a catch-all term. <laughs> so cryptocurrency, it was the attempt to build currencies on, on the blockchain, right? And I know there's something like 4,000 out there right now. 20,000. Um, 20,000. 20, um, so that is just one application of blockchain as a technology. So we are building this token in the blockchain it has nothing to do with crypto, nothing at all. We're just using the blockchain technology to track ownership in an LLC. 
in this case, it's an LLC that does real estate, but you could use it for startup. You could use it for, uh, we could raise some money for disruptors. Um, you know, any business could be put on there. So number one, I think it's clear to differentiate that to, to people so they understand that it, it, the risk profile for cryptocurrency and blockchain are not necessarily the same thing. Understand, understand number one, what you're looking at. Um, so from there though, I said, okay, what happens if phantom fails? What happens if we snap our fingers and everything we know about blockchain just disappears overnight? What happens to investor money? What happens to my fund? And the answer, believe it or not, is absolutely nothing. We're completely safe. And, and here's why. There's a few SEC rules that we have to follow to do this legally. And this has nothing to do with blockchain. This has to do with how you form securities. Number one is a security cannot be destroyed. It cannot be destroyed, right? So if the tokens disappeared from the blockchain, if they melted away, if, um, trying to think of another random example, we had some type of tech failure that made a bunch, you have to have a system in place to make those securities come back to life, right? So when we build this program, it both puts it into the blockchain and simultaneously creates a ledger that has nothing to do with the blockchain world. And we are required to do that by the SEC for this thing to, to work successfully. So if there's an absolute catastrophic failure with Phantom, we already have all of the ledger that happened in real time, right? So if the scenario where Steve sold this coin to, to Paul played out, it would automatically in real time be updating on that manual ledger. Um, and then we would just rebuild and reissue the security with everybody's positions where they were at the point that the blockchain failed, which I thought was a, a fantastic, um, fantastic risk mitigation. I mean, and, and I, I heard a scenario too, like, well, what happens if the internet goes down and you can't get on the blockchain? And, and so, yeah, there's, there's, it's not like there's no risk, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that there's been significant effort to duplicate efforts in a lot of ways so that we we're reducing that risk as far down you know as, as we possibly can let me ask you about another problem that i i get questions about all the time which is well so how do you convert crypto into the actual dollars like how does that process work so i want to pay with crypto what are you doing with that crypto so DigiShares is partnered with a few other tech platforms. So they've got a tech stack in, inside of their program. So when you send in your crypto, that tech stack go ahead and, uh, and changes it out to fiat and pushes the fiat into, into my account so that I can apply for, for real estate. Um, I don't remember the complete tech stack off the top of my head because I talked to a few different companies about this, but that is the process they go about, uh, they go about doing it. Um, Paul, the other thing I wanted to point out as well, another common question I get as well, is you know hacked wallets you know what happens if somebody goes into your wallet and steals uh steals these tokens um once again we are required by the sec to have a mechanism in place to burn tokens burn certain tokens in the event that there's an issue like that because once again to or, um, securities cannot be destroyed by the way that the sec has set up the laws so if your wallet got hacked those tokens disappeared. We were able to, to, to prove that reasonably. What we would do is we would burn those specific tokens that were assigned to you, make them disappear, and then reissue new ones for you and give them back to you, maintaining your position in the fund. Mm -hmm. I like it. I love that SEC has been, I'm sorry, Paul. I love that SEC has been so proactive in creating something for you to actually put your fund on the blockchain. That they've, they've actually planned ahead and created rules, policies, and procedures. Because that clearly demonstrates that they believe this is the future too, right? Like they're not fighting you on it, but the fact that they're like, hey, Pete, when you do this, make sure you have these mechanisms in place. So I love that that's all going on to further validate that this is actually a, a, a true application. And, and Steve, you kind of touched on this at the, at the beginning of the call as well. The the companies that either I'm directly working with or, or have been exposed to, this is not a bunch of kids in, in their mom's basement that are figuring out how to do tokenization. These are guys with backgrounds in uh, securities. They have their Series 7. They've worked for very large real estate firms. Um, they might have worked for the SEC. They understand the SEC rulebook 
very, very well when it comes to securities in general. So as they built this per, these different programs and applied it, they had to get um, qualified and run it past the SEC at various different stages. So what's been unique for me in this space is compared to the rest of the, the, the crypto world specifically <laughs> is um, just a high, high level of operator that's putting these things together. Uh, I know DigiShares has had to deal with all sorts of SEC filings to be able to do some of the different things that their platform uh, can do. For example, they're just about to get their license uh, as a um, as a crowdfunding platform. It's a very specific license to be able to sell and offer securities as crowdfunding um, if you're uh, if you're not a broker dealer and they're working on getting that right now. Yeah, I, um, so and the conversations look at the existing laws that the SEC put out and said, okay, we are applying this in blockchain. Here's how we think we're following the laws. Are we doing it correctly? They got the thumbs up and then we moved out from there. Yeah, and the conversations that the three of us have had, right, is basically we are the blue collar real estate. We're just over here hacking at it at a house at a time. And they've, they're they the Wall Street, they're the Ivy League, Wall Street, you know, uh, white collar um, <laughs> doing this on the other side. And we're just marrying the two worlds. Mm -hmm. Well, and just a quick plug for, if I may, for part of the value of the whale club is, you know, we have a group of however many, you know, real estate investors. And so we have attracted a certain attention from these technology leaders. I mean, Security Token Advisors, who is advising you through this entire process, DigiShares, uh, Chainraise. These are all like companies that have come and presented to the Whale Club and are making us aware of what's going on. We are able to provide these types of resources so we can actually go out and create these real world things. We have the relationships with all these technology partners. And it's and it's because of the strength of our community and, you know, people like Pete and other people, you know, involved in the club that are attracting these, let's just say, technology providers to come to us. And then we're assembling the pieces. Obviously, Pete, you were the first one to, to make use of it all, which is just so cool. Um, but again, part of the value of what we do in the Whale Club is this is the types of resources we're bringing in so we can go out and create real world things. Hmm. Um. I want to ask you, Pete, about um, a, a section of the certainty operating system called uh, growth principles. So anytime we're setting out to do something new or looking to grow, one of the first things that we were taught by Dan is to, to, to ask, do we have a preponderance of data? Meaning, do we have any data to support this will actually work? And that was really tough when we're doing something like so new. I mean, theoretically, this can work, but there's not, I mean, very few people are actually doing this. Um, sorry, I'm getting a little feedback on my end. Uh, so first thing that we want to do is we want to take a micro step. So let's talk, let's talk about that. If we don't have a preponderance of data, which we really didn't, we want to take a micro step. What were those micro steps you took? And, and talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. And remember back, back from the beginning, like you all said, this was an existing business model and fund already. So just right. embarking on adding blockchain as an option to it was a micro step in and of itself. Yep. It was a very small micro step to my overall overall business model. But let's let's dive into it a little bit and, and break it apart like Paul's talking about. So micro step number one was figuring out who else is doing this successfully. And, and the number I've been given so far is about 100 different um, tokenized projects like this where you're tokenizing a syndication uh, have been done so far. And, and we sat down with our advisors and we looked at some real estate specific ones that have not only produced a coin, or excuse me, not a coin, produced a token, um, but have also successfully raised for that token. Um, and there were enough that the technology itself seemed stable enough to me, right? And as we just talked about with the risks, we had a plan in place where if it completely failed altogether from the tech side, um, that it would not damage the existing, the existing business, right? So we had a, a stop loss, if you will, like a fallback point um, that wouldn't destroy the rest of the, uh, the, um, the rest of the fund that we had going on. Um, from there, uh, we just started looking at different pricing options and, and said, okay, does this make sense from a financial perspective um, to add this on to, to our business? Number one, for the fund itself, 
And number two is part of my broader vision for Iron Horse Capital Group. Um, you know, we are applying this to a single family fund right now, but we are in the process of launching multiple other things. For example, we'll have a, um, a debt fund coming out here uh, very soon if people want to take part in um, a, a debt position as opposed to an equity position that I'll be dealing with um, flipping distressed assets. And then we potentially have some commercial options uh, coming up here as well. So I didn't necessarily look at the cost as um, affecting my bottom line for my single family fund in the first year. I saw it as a cost of how are all the other ways that I'm going to apply this technology uh, moving forward to, to add to my business. And, and so we take these small micro steps. And obviously one of the things that we're doing inside of the whale club as really building on certainty and then attracting both the real estate and the crypto community is we're curating hopefully the people that buy into these tokens, right? We've got access to these crypto investors. You know, we have relationships with them. Um, and so, you know, we've been holding all sorts of educational uh, webinars and things like this to educate the crypto community on real estate, why they should consider using it to build their financial certainty and, and, and locking that in when, you know, when their crypto projects do really well, give them something to downshift into. So, you know, we've been doing all sorts of stuff like that. And then the last thing I want to hit on is this idea of that. We say like with the growth principles, we don't want to scale until we hit predefined targets. So it's really easy to look and say, man, this is, this is incredible. We have this amazing opportunity, this amazing technology. We don't really have anything much more than that. We do have, a, you know, a hundred might sound like a lot. That's not a lot relative to the amount of you know, money that's being raised out there. You know, so we've got a proof of concept. We're taking a small micro step. And in this case, it's like, well, at a certain point, you either got to put up or shut up. Like we either got to spend the money to do this or we're just going to let it die right here. So you've taken that step. But we don't scale until we hit predefined targets. So what's the target that you're looking for? Talk to me about the raise you're looking to set, you know, to do. What does a successful, let's say, uh, next step look like to you? Yep. So we're looking to raise 10 million per year um, in this fund. And that's because that's the max amount of real estate for that specific buy box that we could produce in our current markets, right? Because we don't want to overraise and overextend ourselves. Um, we hit a million in equity raise already. Um, so the, as for, once we go into 2023 here, we're looking to just raise that remaining 9 million. Um, at that point in time, I'm going to look across our investor base and say, okay, what is the avatar of the people that came in? Right. Are we, were we successfully able to bring this to the crypto community and allow them to build out their barbell, right? Bring certainty to, to their investment portfolio, or is our investors people that are actually already real estate investors, right? They're already limited partners in other deals, um, but they've been attracted to the fact that we are adding blockchain um, to our overall business model and they want to get on board with the application of a new technology. Um, so those are kind of the two main uh, avatars that we've been talking about with, with our marketing team and to see like, okay, which, which person is this really gonna help the most? So I'm really looking forward um, to getting those results back um, and, and seeing which community that we're really helping. And I hope it's both equally. Yep. So, um, I think just like wrapping up here, I think that was really cool is, you know, Pete's been one of the first time I was one of the first time within the whale club. Um, and you know, being able to see what you've been able to do going from, you know, your existing fund, getting to the blockchain, applying the principles, making sure you're doing this the right way with as much certainty as possible. It's not hundred percent, but with as much certainty as possible. And these kind of topics that we talk about within the whale club and, you know, I got this shiny belt over here. It's here. It's a little bit to brag, but also just kind of highlight, you know, uh, the three of us are all in CG select. Right. Uh, and, uh, I presented on some financial principles and I felt pretty good about winning the belt, but I didn't because Paul was there talking about building a business treasury. So Paul actually had this belt, uh, for a period of time. And uh, this last week, I was a collective genius, and I was speaking on the solvable problem. So I got to—I won the best pres best hot seat presentation of the five uh, hot seat rooms. And what I talked about was the solvable problem, which is a key 
concept within the certainty operating system. And again, in the Well Club, we're using, we're talking about how to build your real estate business, leveraging the certainty principles. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the solvable problem next week. So just wanted to highlight that real quick. Uh, thank you so much, Pete, for coming in. Uh, it's great to connect with you through CG Select. Uh, anything else you want to uh, add to this, Paul, before we wrap up? I think the last thing I would say is that it's this is not a blockchain or a real estate or a stock thing. It all starts with the fact that we need to know how to how to properly proceed. We need to know to have the foundation, right? Pete has built decentralization. He's built his own inherent barbell. He was very clear on his own solvable problem. When you have that level of clarity, I don't care what you're doing. There's a reason why some people seem to get lucky over and over and over again, because you're engineering luck. And that's what Pete's done. And that's why we were extremely excited to bring him in because he perfectly represents what it means to get the fundamentals right, build the foundation correctly. And then it really doesn't matter. Blockchain, real estate, Pete is going to be successful no matter what he does, picks the domain that he does because he has such a strong you know, operating system, if I may, right, of how he makes his decisions. So Pete, I just, I appreciate you um, being someone that came in, learned this stuff and actually went out and did something about it because uh, you're showing us all what's possible, man. So thanks so much for sharing with us today. Yeah, thank you, Pete. Hey, and I appreciate the kind words, guys. And and it's just been such a journey over the past six months with this particular project. And and for those that don't know, Steve and Paul have been involved in this particular uh, tokenization project since the beginning. There's been plenty of, of whiteboard sessions, plenty of late night voice messages back and forth to each other um, as we work through how to how to get this out there. And, and really show it to be successful. And I know we've been looking forward to this moment in time where we could sit together and tell the world, hey, we, we're sticking the landing and this thing is real. So Woo! amazing. Agreed. Right. Thank you, Pete.